Welcome to Awaken Church Online. Today, Bruce Harrison talks about our identity in Christ. I have to tell you something funny that happened at home. I was admiring how Dean and Munty look so good in really short hair, and I thought, you know, if a guy keeps his hair really short, you could just maintain it at home, right? So I said to Leslie, <laughs> she's giving me the look. <laughs> I said to Leslie, hey, well, what would I look like if I just kept my head shaved? <laughs> she said, you'd look like an old fat guy. <laughs> so I mused to myself, maybe I should just grow my hair really, really long. It's been refreshing to live with somebody who can be brutally honest. <laughs> but actually, it's not so brutal, especially if you're able to laugh at yourself, which I am. Truth is really important. Truth should be what we base our reality on. But where do we find truth, really? Early on, after the creation of Awakened Church, we elders were working on some things like mission statement and vision and uh, core values and that sort of thing. And this happened at about the same time that uh, people were working on the web page and or website. And so they came to us to us and said. Uh, they'd like us to develop a tagline. Well, I know a tagline is some few words that sort of represent something, but other than that, you know what? It's new technology. And like Leslie says, oh, well, never mind that. <laughs> I, I read once that old people are never forced to learn new technology. We just die. <laughs> well, Taglines and hashtags and, well, anyway, we came up with some significant words. Actually, we answered this simple question. What does the world really need? And so we came up with hope, purpose, and passion, by the way, in that order. And then a little bit later, somebody thought that it would be important to add identity to that. Now, I really believe that what the world needs now is something to place their hope in and to passionately pursue the things of God and, and the calling of God in their lives. But I recognize, too, that one thing the church really needs, and I think really, really, really uh, desperately needs, is to understand your identity. Identity is vital. So now our tagline is hope, purpose, passion, identity. I've, I'm going to talk about ident identity today, but I'm only going to be able to touch maybe two or three aspects of it. And so today, now, as an elder of Awakened Church, I am issuing a clarion call to the teachers to continue this teaching about identity because of the fact that I think it is so vital to the church that we individually understand how God sees us, not how we see ourselves or how other people see us, but to learn what God says about us and then to function in that reality, in that truth. So we've heard some from some really good teachers recently um, like Mike and John and Alan. Now, Alan is one of our elders, and of course, 
the elders are all apt to teach, and there may be others among us too that can help us really uh, bring the bring this into stereo. What's this uh, three dimension? Really complete this picture for us. <clears throat> First, I want to give you an illustration. Do you know what, or probably most of you, maybe all of you know what earnest money is? Now, if I was going to buy, a, let's say, a piece of property from my friend Travis, we'd um, come together at some time to sign a, an agreement. And at that time, I would give him earnest money. And that earnest money says, I'm serious about completing this transaction when we finally come to complete it. I'm going to bring the money I promised to bring at a certain date, and here is my earnest money. It's not necessarily the down payment. Now, this is really old stuff for some of you. I mean, everybody, not everybody knows. That's why I'm going over it. But here's a couple of things I want you to remember about it. First of all, it's a like-kind payment. In other words, I would give Travis, oh, he might except reloading components. But in every case, it's money. I give him money because I'm promising to complete the deal with money. The other thing that happens is that if for some reason I don't complete the deal, he keeps the money. I want you to just keep those two things in mind about earnest money because those are, I'm going to come back to that a little later. But I am going to digress, digress from that a bit. How many, or I don't know how many of you, but let me just say this, that there is a phrase used in the Bible several times about, concerning a kingdom of priests. Now, I was led to believe that this was the original intent for all people, that we would be a kingdom of priests before God. But I didn't really find that. But this I did find, that we can read about... Um, what God said, uh, he declared that Israel would be a special treasure to him, special treasure to him above all people, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, <clears throat> a holy nation, special kingdom of priests, holy. And also the Levites then were called out of that group to administer the priestly duties. Now, here's something I want you to remember about the, the Levites. They were not given a portion of the land. They, were, they, were, they had priestly duties, and it was said about them that their portion was God himself, which I think is pretty exciting. Um, the problem with people, I, this is something I just thought of, the problem with people is that we, are we would be reluctant to give up our worldly wealth for a portion of God. But I'm telling you what, that's exciting to me. But listen to what the Bible also says about the church. It says, come, this is in um, 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, it's really a fun chapter just to read the whole thing. I'll read the whole book of Peter. Read the whole Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Come to him as to a living stone. That's Jesus. Come to Jesus as a living stone. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. 
you also as living stones, okay, now you're living stones, you're coming to Jesus, the living stone who is precious. This is implying to me that you're precious, but it gets better. Uh, And you're being built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Further, it says, you are, a, you are a chosen generation. Now, what I want to emphasize here is that all y'all are not going to be a chosen generation unless y'all is a chosen one of the generation. And that's what I'm trying to get at here. I want each of us to get a hold of this. Chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want to mention also that the main purposes of a priesthood are to bring, bring sacrifices to God and to represent the people to God. We bring sacrifices of praise, for example, with our reasonable surface of worship. How can you fill your identity and calling as a priest before God? First of all, you just have to see yourself the way God sees you. That is that you are chosen, holy, royalty, special, and priests. We who are believers in Christ, um, um, how should I say this? We, We weren't exposed publicly while we were in sin. Rather, God did something different with us and now displays us to the world. God has shown his holiness through um, his judgments and his mercies and also through this generation. He shows his holiness through your lives on display. We are to put on what I call priestly robes, what some writers have referred to as garments of holiness. Not that we should wear different clothes, but we are to put on new attributes. Uh, In Ephesians, someplace, sorry, I don't have the address. Put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful riches, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So now you can consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. The old man is dead. You are a new creation. Now if you have received your royal identity then put on these royal attributes. As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiveness, and forgiving one another. 
I always thought of tender mercies as um, loving kindness is one of the terms that's used for that. And then I see kindness, the next word in the list. So I think of loving kindness or mercies as like, um, if you have just like one stick of gum in your pack, offer it to a friend. Or at least offer to tear it in half with a friend, right? Be, I think generosity fits under um, this tender mercies. Kindness. So um, how about just be nice? Humility. I like this example of humility from the Popeye cartoon. He says, I am what I am and that's all what I am. If you're if you're really great at something and you just simply are and you don't um, you know if you're not conceited about it you're not prideful about it just be honest about it whatever it is you're really good at be honest about it that's humility and the things you're not so good at well you know I told my friends um, if I can't make a joke I don't mind being a joke that only works with my friends by the way Meekness, I've heard meekness referred to as simply obedience. Long-suffering, I thought long-suffering was kind of like bearing with one another, but that also is the next one on the list. So I think long-suffering is like, be patient. Like, like just wait a minute. Okay, I'm not going to bait you by making you wait a minute. Um, bearing with one another. No two of us is exactly alike. You know, get over yourself. Somebody's going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. Just you know, get over it. And forgiving one another. This is, I think, this I think is like the the second on the list of most important things to do in the Christian life. Forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on the top one. What is it? It's love. Put on love. Now this I really like. This jazzes me. Love which is the bond of perfection. I think there's something sweet in that, and at the same time it's a little bit of a mystery. But what is bond? Perhaps the bond of friendship. Perhaps, perhaps just how we are bound to each other. And with love, it's a perfect bond. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. And by the way, thankfulness is a choice. So I have to ask myself, in my case, what does my pointing the finger and wagging the tongue and thinking more of myself than I ought to really accomplish for the kingdom of God? Well, you know, it doesn't really matter because this can be dealt with instantly. Put on the attributes that someone who is special, royal, holy, priestly, ought to have put on. Chosen, holy, special, royalty, and priestly is your identity in Christ. 
Father, I just thank you that you have pointed this out to us. And Lord, I think thank you that you say, but wait, there's more. There is so much more. This, I want, I want you to understand too that this is not just like free ticket to heaven. Because God in us, his Holy Spirit, calls to us in a unique way, giving us a curiosity to seek God, even the deep things of God, so we can know even more of how God sees us. This can be a growing thing. And I'm hoping it will grow in the near future as the teachers among us answer my call to come forth with this. Last time I spoke, I spoke about freedom. I spoke about the real purpose for which Christ has set you free. And I said um, that this purpose is fulfilled only if you have indeed allowed yourself to be set free. Surely we should encourage one another to live by the leading of Holy Spirit, that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, but observe and obey Jesus' commandments, though not as mere rule keepers. That's not the point. But out of a love for our Lord and Savior. Jesus' commandments are based in love for God and love for one another. They're not intended to, for control, with fear of punishment, but are the, uh, the expected outward expression of love. And that's I'm talking about, the disobedience. In other words, <clears throat> there are limits and boundaries to our freedom that we observe with one another for the sake of honor, respect, and love for one another. But we are not to subject ourselves to a system of do's and don'ts. There is no anointed version of the law that we can observe that will usher in the kingdom of God. There will never be a set of earthly rules properly written and policed that will attain heaven for us. But when we bring heaven to earth, there is freedom. I've heard it said that the Ten Commandments were given us as something to strive for, but that their purpose is to be a stumbling block that shows us that we need to keep them. And so we need a Savior, right? I believe the Ten Commandments become the Ten Promises of God for those who have truly been set free. For example, I will not worship false gods or idols. Because God has changed my basic nature. My attitude toward God is reverence, awe, and fear because I've had a revelation of God's nature. <laughs> my attitude toward you is to honor you, to respect you, to love you, to respect your limits and boundaries so I don't violate your trust and your sense of security with me. But that is not a law. That's just decency. Well, actually, it might fulfill the royal law, the only law we Gentiles are given, that is to love one another. As for the Mosaic law, I'm a Gentile. I was never under the law. 
But I was given a conscience and the witness of nature. So I'm busted like all y'all. There's something a friend said to me that I've adopted as a motto for my life. And this is my motto. I love God and do whatever I want. This friend I mentioned was visited by some people who regularly go from door to door preaching a false gospel, I might add. When in discussion with um, these so-called missionaries, my friend said he could do whatever he wanted because his wanter had been changed. To want what God wants. Now, I have to admit that if I don't ever do what I want, I have friends that'll just kick butt on me if I need it. So, just so you know. That's how freedom in Christ is supposed to work and how it's supposed to look. God doesn't want to control us with rules. He wants us to be a people or persons whose thoughts and actions are controlled by God's Holy Spirit living in us and through us. Have you allowed Jesus to set you free from such things as sin, self, Satan, sickness? We can pray for you that strongholds be broken. We can cast out demons. As for you, consider yourself crucified with Christ and let the resurrection life of God live in you and through you so that you're living in freedom. Freedom is your identity in Christ. Father, I thank you for freedom for all these people and for me and for the just for this awesome life that you've given us to be living in freedom. Now I want to get back to the earnest money thing. I told you the earnest money is given at signing a contract. I think I emphasized um, that it's a like-kind payment. I mean, you give money. And that if you don't follow through with the deal, you lose your earnest money. Now, I want you to really get a hold of this. God has made a transaction with you by ransoming you out of sin. He made a promise, kind of like signing a contract, only it's a covenant, in which he has promised you an inheritance that is himself. Just like the Levites, or the, yeah, the Levites that didn't get a portion of the land because their portion was God. God is our portion. And he has given his earnest money in a like kind payment. Your inheritance is God himself. And what he has given you as earnest money is God himself, a deposit of himself, the Holy Spirit that is alive in you. For you not to gain your inheritance in Christ, I think God would have to stop being God. His character will not let him default on this promise. This is an eternal promise. He has loved you individually so deeply that he not only saved you, delivering you from evil, he not only calls you 
his child. He not only sees you as Jesus' brother. He not only calls you chosen, special, holy, royal priests. But he has given you evidence of a promise that he will never back out of nor be unable to fulfill. That is the Holy Spirit living in you, the promise of your inheritance. An inheritance which is God himself. You know, that just makes me all duck bumpy to think about that. I mean, think about God himself. Now this, I think, is the foundation of your identity in Christ. God's great love for you and the fact that he has gone to the, so far that he has actually deposited some of himself in you. Lord, I thank you for this idea that revelation really that you have given a part of yourself as holy, earnest money. And as I've mentioned, I think we really need to get all that we have to teach and to learn about our identity in Christ. It is absolutely vital. The church will fulfill its destiny. Awaken church will fulfill its calling and purpose to the degree that we, you, each of us, understands our identity in Christ and walks in that. Thank you for joining us today on Awaken Church Online. To learn more about the church, visit our website, awakenchurchmac.com.